Hello and welcome to the final Fantasy Take TV podcast for 2022. Today we'll discuss the grand final. Uh, interesting day, definitely a lot to unpack on that. Uh, obviously, I wasn't the biggest fan of Geelong going through the year, but I was definitely proven wrong there. So we'll speak We'll speak all about the grand final. I'll speak about a little bit of Supercoach relevance in that game and we'll also touch on the trade period. Very, very exciting. Uh, this trade period, probably one of the biggest ever and uh, lots of movement for Fantasy and Supercoach. So that's something we'll unpack as well. So I can't wait to get stuck into that. But Eno, how are you? Good, mate. Very good. At the... And, uh, Organise this a bit, JD's with the kids at this early, so we usually wait for him at like, what, 8 o'clock generally when he can jump on after he's put the kids to bed, but um, I'm not available then. I'm doing a FIFA stream <laughs> for whatever reason later on, so couldn't make it work last night, couldn't tonight, and then tomorrow night I was probably un- unable to either way, but um, yeah. But how was your grand final on Saturday? Oh, didn't watch after half time, mate, to be honest. <laughs> had a mate's place in Richmond. Yeah. I like, I think what we, I guess the 2019 grand final sticks out for everyone being similar, just an absolute thrashing and no one else enjoys it besides the team that's winning. And I can see why people didn't care about that game because I really didn't care after halftime about the game on the weekend, but it still it does impress you, the, the club and the team that wins by that much in a grand final, just how far and away they were the best team all year, really. So they are deserving of it. Um, Sydney didn't come to play, the young kids sort of, um, besides one we'll speak about, didn't really stand up on the day and Geelong's experience just just showed. I mean, it showed in the first 10 minutes and the game was pretty much over. You know, they hung in there for a, half a quarter, but it, it was over after that point. Yeah, so we'll delve a bit deeper into that. Um, for me, obviously, yeah, JD not here. Um, very important. He's got, he's got kids, I suppose, so we don't really know what that's like. Um, but he's got to feed him and all that and bathe him and read him stories and take him to the playground and walk the dogs together and all that, I think. Um, but anyway, um, but yeah, for me, a grand final was okay. I, I went up to Victor Harvard. I'm not sure where you know that is, but where that is, but down in South Australia. I've got a mate that lives there, so we invited everyone over. And I carpooled with people who don't watch footy, so they were really keen to go to some stupid bakery get this uh, Oreo donut or something. So I missed the first quarter because they were that keen for the bakery. And uh, I was just messaging the, I was messaging the Discord. I was like, what is going on? Every time I check the score, it's six and it's 12. It's a goal after goal after goal. And um, yeah, I, got, I started watching about 25 minutes into the first quarter. And I was like, what is going on? Is this is this for real? It's over. It's, uh, it's 2019 all over again, as you said. And that's what it was. So... Uh, my day um, didn't probably enjoy the game, but I, I definitely found a lot more respect for Geelong. Um, probably was a bit slow to realize how good they were um, this year. And this year, I felt like, I think we all felt this was their best chance in 10 years. But how good were they? Well, they showed us all. So especially, I think my tune probably changed a little bit last week against the Lions where Fagan had no answer for them and Sydney had no answer for Geelong. So I think, yeah, Geelong as an organization, oh, you know, you can say about like the list management, I still think it was quite risky list management. I mean, but it's worked out. I think, you know, you know, in Supercoach, right, we look for value picks and the value they've gotten out of guys like, you know, Stingle, um, Dangerfield and Selwood, like these guys took unders what they could get elsewhere. So that's, and that's like the whole culture of the club. And you look at Chris Scott, you know, the fish, the opposite of the fish rots at the head, whatever that is. So, uh, Chris Scott, if you remember a few years ago in the COVID year, he sacrificed his entire salary 
So that, that's pretty, pretty amazing and pretty selfless. And, you know, it stems throughout the club and, you know, that's what, that's what Geelong are all about. So, you know, getting value out of all of their players, you know, they don't, they don't overplay, overpay people. Um, and yeah, also they're recruiting from the VFL, like getting, you know, Tom Stewart, Tom Atkins, uh, close, I think was mature age, all these guys that are well outperformed, whatever Geelong are paying them. So I think that that's probably a big part. And also the game plan, I think is pretty, it's almost choke proof because you watch them play. They just, they score, you know, you look at Sydney play, like how did they play on the weekend? It was kind of move it slowly, chip mark, chip mark, chip mark, execute, 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 and then try and try and score from there. I think it's okay. Like it's definitely worked for most of the year, but against a team like Geelong who can score more efficiently, um, you know, Geelong just had to bomb it in the 50. And of course they got Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins, like two of the top five, maybe probably two of the, probably the top two, maybe top three, if you want to include Lynch, maybe Kerno as well. So you just bomb it into there, you get it in quick into those guys' hands. And it's just a absolute nightmare for the McCartan boys. So, um, how did you see maybe like from a, like a game plan perspective or, or like maybe something you admire about Geelong? Like how did, how did you see Geelong, Geelong's performance? You, you're probably right. Like they didn't match him in the midfield and then it's over from there because like around the ground, uh, Geelong's team is just much, much better. Um, and like you're saying, they, they don't, like you said, they just have to bomb it in and it's not like a lot has to go right for Sydney to win like a game like that in the grand final. And like you said, it's worked for the most part. They got lucky in the prelim um, as well, you might say. But for Geelong, I feel like they that they can win in more ways and, and opening their game style up this year has, has really helped. Um, so credit to Chris Scott for doing that because, to be fair, if they didn't come away with a, a premiership this year or you know next year or whatever, it, it would be a failure for how good and how much they've been up the top for a long, long time. So doing it, um, hats off to them really. And, and like we said at the start, it was their best chance of doing it for a decade and, and they got it done. They're probably one of the more dominant grand final teams and winners over the past decade really as well. Like just how we thought it was a pretty even season, but I think it showed at the end and I think their percentage showed it too. They were just way above probably the rest and just yourself, myself probably just didn't want to believe it, but um, no. or just, just until they did it and they then they've done it. So you, you got to put respect there. And I just, like any grand final winning team, whether it's my own, whether it's, um, you know, in the past, uh, a number of them, Melbourne last year, um, I just like all the stories of individuals, to be honest, of how they've got there, where they've come from. Um, Tom Atkins stood out to me, like just a bloke that's played, you know, grew up in Geelong, played VFL for a bit, got mentored, I think he was saying, by Shane O'Bree. He's like their VFL or development guy. And now he's like one of their best midfielders in and under and, and wins a flag for it. So, you know, stories like that, um, I love for sure. Um, there's, there's plenty to go through, like the Guthrie brothers, um, Tom Stewart. I know you're not a fan, but another one that just comes from, you know, a local club, VFL, and makes his way up to the top. So uh, hats off to them. And then Joel Salwood, like the head of the snake, that man, know a lot of people you know want to talk about uh, a bit uh, some things in his career but um to be honest there's no better leaders really uh for a long long period of time and um him and danger really like uh, chris scott had said it as well didn't play that great last year i know danger's dealt with a few injuries but those two really stepped up all final series and you know danger was probably second best on ground third salwood had an unreal game a lot of them did but um yeah, I just like those sorts of things and the stories from the grand final winning team, just all the individuals and, and how they got there and 
Jeremy Cameron, fucking funny bastard, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's too good. He's not real. So he didn't have his best game, but it didn't didn't matter. <laughs> no, Hawkins Hawkins was the one I thought. Um, yeah, early. And Isaac but, Smith. Honestly, about like, what about him, dude? They got him for not much. He's thirty three years old. Wins the Norm Smith. Like Isaac, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. That was, he must have been a free agent, I reckon. You know, he's probably one of the best wingers in the last decade, really, with how consistent he is. So, Almost watching Isaac Smith in the finals last year, he was probably one of their best players in the finals. And he was kind of like, what's going on? You know, we're not performing to the level. And you could see, like, I think it was, like, fair to question Geelong over the past decade. And I almost think Dangerfield was probably a few years in Danger's prime, probably carried them to top four when they probably shouldn't have been there. Um, but you're watching Smith's, yeah, Smith's performance. I mean, I missed the first quarter, so I'm assuming he tore you it up. It all, really? I think and, he had uh, 10 and kicked two goals. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, and he still finished the game pretty strong. So, um, yeah, he's another one that's, and their players just don't, they get older, but when is the cliff coming? It's not really coming. And now they're getting all these young kids through trade period as well. So it's exciting times to be a cat supporter. But I want to ask you something. Hmm. So I've been the biggest fan of Geelong, but I almost started to turn. You know, when you see like uh, Selwood with his hands over his head, and you see Danger, who like uh, the the reasons why I just like Danger are so stupid and novelty and trivial, just because he left the Crows and he said a few things to like, got on the Crow supporters' skin, and maybe a little bit. And also, he stopped the diving in the thre- the theatrics the last two weeks because that has been in his game for a few. It's been it pops up he every now up. and then. So yeah, and it was not. Yeah. It was just a no fuss performance. But yeah, he for me he's a legendary player. I think he's uh, like walk up Hall of Fame. Um, he won the Guerriers Medal. So um, did you start to were you at all happy for Geelong? Because <laughs> after I was barracking for Sydney so hard, but I, I feel like a lot of their players like really really deserved it. What do you? Yeah, think? no, I, I think like about that about any club. I don't. Jiren really, really hate any club, but I know a lot of Victorian fans because there's so many big clubs in Victoria and, you know, that's where the game is, um, that you can't like any other club. And um, even if Collingwood won last week, you know, you would have been happy for that story and to see it, even though it burns you because they're the biggest club, the rival of my club. But, like, you still would have been happy to see it and all the stories and, and whatnot. And that's what you feel on, on grand final day. And, yes, there's players have some flaws. Like, Danger, he does love the centre of attention. That's who he is. Like... You know, when I talk about my club and Dusty, who's been the best player, it, it, polar opposite, but that's just different human beings. And um, how good was the, the the retirement home thing they did yesterday? That was a piss. I <laughs> think was the it best. was funny. And then the guy <laughs> fell out. I don't remember. The guy fell out. I think it was Isaac Smith. <laughs> but again, danger. Like he's leading the charge there. He loves loves the attention and all that. But that's him. And um, he's never shied away from it. Um but when we talk about footy, like you said, the last two weeks, he's he stood up and he's played probably, you know, his best couple of games in a long, long time and deservedly so um, of the, what, the Gary Ayers medal. So, by the way, Jack Crisp second, I think, in that. So, <laughs> Funny world, isn't it? Um, but, yeah, you, you wouldn't have expected that from Crisp after his second half of the year. But, um, yeah, who knows? No, he was huge. He was huge. Um, so, Sydney? we'll move on to Sydney. <laughs> Yeah. What happened here? And um, so I tipped Sydney, probably biased because I was going for them to win. I, I don't know what to say. I, I really thought that a team could beat Geelong if they got a hold of their midfield. Because on paper, their midfield, it's good. 
And I guess on the day, you get like the older guys, they're not going to perform every week, but on the day when they, they need do. to, Selwood and Danger, they're going to turn up. But the midfield was smashed and, oh my God, John Longmire did the biggest cut move. <laughs> Callum Mills back to defense. Like, are you serious? Like, this is, you're losing in the midfield and to weather the storm, you put him in defense. I mean, it didn't matter, but. It wouldn't have. But... Why? And he kicked that goal from 55 out or something, which is really good. Almost yeah. got him going, but no chance. I, I hate that move so much because I don't think he is a Mr. Fixer. He can be, but he's far too good in the midfield to be used like this as a spare in defense. It's just, I don't like it. Um, Parker Parker was okay. His pressure was good, but I don't know. I just didn't feel like they were still walking it out the middle far too often. I, I thought Warner, as the game got on, was really, really good. Warner was probably their best player, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the damage was done as he got better as the game went went on, but still I thought it was an encouraging performance from him. But yeah, as I was saying before, like the game plan of it requires so much execution against so much pressure. It was pretty tough for them just to score. But what was your take on Sydney? It was a do you think it was game plan? Was it like certain players didn't perform to expectation? Maybe um, they play the grand final. What do you, what do you like last week? What do you think? Make sure that too. But last week, Hickey, really good performance. Didn't get that from him on the day. Blitzarves was really, really good as well. Um, I think it's just a collective. You look around in the Sydney team, and a lot of them just had really poor days. And a lot of them, you tend to be the, the younger guys. Heaney, he hadn't had the touch till five minutes left in the second quarter, I think. Not that, you know, playing forward uh, up until that point wouldn't have been too, too, uh, too pretty. But, I think what just Jay Mac McInerney was under a bit of an injury cloud. He didn't look up to it. The Reed decision um, to play oh, him yeah. instead of Logan. Look, all these things probably wouldn't have mattered. Geelong deserved to win and would have dominated pretty much any team in the last five years, really, on the day. But um, yeah, the tactics going into it um, and just a few of the younger players, I think, just didn't um, didn't stand up to the day. I like Brian Clark going to Stewart. Was it? Did, did that really work? Uh, look, Stuart was a bit quiet, but still, DeConing had a great day. He was able to get free. Like, I just don't know if that really um, was going to work or do anything. But, yeah, like I said, end of the day, Geelong had probably the best, what, 15 of the best 18 players on the field, really, maybe even more. So um, that's just what it boils down to. Um, look, I think it, it all comes down to how they're going to turn it around. I know... Your club after a big grand final loss, the Giants haven't been able to deal with it. I think they were better. They were a younger team still on the up, whereas um, Crows are in their prime. GWS were probably in their prime, maybe just – well, they were really a lot of their players, 20, what, 26, 27 at that point. So a lot of the Sydney players are still young. Uh, just comes down to the coaching really. But Horse admitted he got it wrong on the day. But like I said, I don't think it would have made a difference really. I, I yeah, I, I don't know what they could have done. I think as a start, like winning it from the source would have been would yeah, have been nice. Yeah, Geelong no, pressure. I, like they could have been up more, to be honest. In the first, I know you didn't see it, but like yeah, it was maybe like a two goal, three goal margin for fifteen minutes. It could have been even more. It was like ten inside fifties to one, pure domination early. They just didn't convert, but once they did, yeah, it was it was all over. Yeah, I wanted to touch on Heaney quickly. The last three weeks, Isaac Heaney looked like the three weeks leading up to when we traded him in Supercoach. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why we traded him, I guess, was first, like, 
I was confident that he was going to be okay after the buy, um, just because there was there was better forwards of what, that we thought were available. Apparently not because Tim English was terrible for the rest of the year, but he he could barely get off the ground. You know, you saw him like the start of the year, I was flying for marks, you know, working up and down the ground so hard, but he's just so flat-footed. And when they put him in the middle of the ground, he just doesn't look like touching the ball when they put him there. Um, just very his acceleration is just so poor for some reason. And I do wonder if he's I don't mean to make excuses for him, but I wonder if something's up with that ankle or something's up with him because he's always he's played through niggles his entire career, but Disappointing performance from him, but uh, him and 18 other He was blokes, poor, really. and he was probably one of their top five or six, which goes to show just, yeah, how poor yeah. they really were. But, yeah, um, can Sydney turn it around next year? I think, as you were saying, you know, uh, they're probably a bit younger than the Giants and and the Crows. You know, when the Giants and Crows made it, you know, they probably weren't ahead of the time. schedule. Yeah, it was their time, Sydney, yeah. Sydney, it was hard to pinpoint how good they were, but maybe it's like, well, they beat – Melbourne and turns out Melbourne weren't actually that good um, or anywhere near what they were capable of. And then who they beat, like Collingwood, they they were this close Hang to losing. They, yeah. they were 30 seconds away from probably losing that game at home. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I think I don't think we'll see too much regression, but I think we'll see a lot of the young guys like Warner will get better, Gordon will get better. Key four, they need Logan to come on because, buddy, it's pretty concerning. Um, and Reed's almost done too. Like they'll play on, but yeah, this there at the end. So yeah, you hope they so don't. But, but um, yeah, hopefully they, they got more keep more going. time. Yeah, if something if it doesn't work out next year, they got more time. But it, it is must be pretty mentally scarring to be a part of that performance. I know Mills did an interview and he was completely shattered. He was like mm. said, was Big like time. swearing a bit. He's like, oh sorry, he just couldn't like just yeah, just kind of came out. He was that disappointed in himself? So um. Yeah, I think that's our grand final recap. Um, I do wish it was a... It's been a while since we had a... I think last year was really good. It's just that it was kind of up until the midway through the third quarter. But Yeah, it was good for longer. It. Yeah. Yeah. At least this was over pretty early. Um, it happens a lot. Don't... Like, yeah. it really does. Um, one team just during the headlights, the other one gets a lot of confidence and gets going. And really, there's only been probably two or three close ones in the last decade, like... Hawthorne dominated a lot. We ended up winning a few that Geelong just did. Melbourne did. Like, I don't know. If it, there hasn't been many close ones in recent times, but you think Geelong can win it again next year? I, I don't see why they can't. Oh, I don't see why not. Interesting. They just said he's going to retire. Not that that would have a huge impact. He was good, but I think they can, um, you know, at least cover off um, him at some point, although he was really good. But I think. I think the word is he probably will retire, but I don't know. It, when I was watching the game, like I was, people around me were like, well, "Why is he carrying on so much?" It seems. And like I was, it. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I feels like he's going to retire here, but uh, who knows? It'd be, wouldn't I? probably just if he goes no again, no issues. Like, I, don't know, I think he did he play still, fifteen like, games. <laughs> still very serviceable, and it was great in the twelve touches in the first quarter. They didn't see most of it, but. Um, I think uh, if you, can they compete again next year? Well, they should be able to. It's just do like when is Hawkins going to decline? It's it's amazing what he's doing. Did you hear Jeremy uh, Jess talk about him too, about him as his mentor no. and everything and how yeah you got to watch that. That was really cool. I'll saying, check that out. Yeah, in the rooms afterwards. Um, that's the other thing. I just like watching all those things post game and all that. No matter who the team is. Um, yeah, but yeah, those two are like 
probably another two years. He still get out of like he's thirty four, but it doesn't matter. He's still no. moving well. He got that two those two early ever. goals on Hickey. So yeah, yeah, I saw the one out the rock. It's just yeah. it's such a weapon for him. They both it's were unbelievable. Basically. Yeah. yeah. They probably go into next year's favourites. You know, if I had to pick someone right now, I guess it's hard not to pick Geelong. Um, although Gorn and Grundy and Melbourne sounds pretty fun. I want to see that. Um, That's the other thing. It's hard to sort of pick. Like Melbourne really failed us. Brisbane. I mean, they had a good run, but failed us in the end. I think it's coaching with Brisbane. Dogs with the just can't get it right. Coaching. Um, yeah. So it's hard to even pick anyone else. Really, like you'd be picking Sydney to bounce off the canvas, but that's also pretty hard to do. But yeah. Yeah. So Geelong Definitely would be our tip at this point, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> who knows? We'll see how preseason goes. But um, yeah, who knows? It's hard, it's hard to, to tip the team that won by so much. It was clear about. first. <laughs> so I think we can move on to trade period. I love trade period. Listen to the trade radio in the car. Just do nuffy calls. And one thing that really annoys me is the amount of. The media, people in the media, especially with the Crows, it's like, oh, Rankin, yeah, oh, they have to pay pick five. He's on 800K a year. But oh, I think that the clubs with trade, the club that trades a player who is out of contract gives up so much leverage because, like, the clubs have, like, barely any power and the players have all the power. Hmm. So it's like if, if Adelaide go to Gold Coast, who, by the way, almost treating Rankin as, like, almost, can they even afford him given their, their salary issues at the moment? So it's almost disguised as like a non-salary dump when it could actually be, but maybe I'm just being a biased crow supporter. But um, yeah, the, the like if if Adelaide go and offer say pick ten for Rankin and they say no, what they're gonna what what are they gonna do? It's gonna let him <laughs> what waltz into the I don't know. It's all too you, much for me. <laughs> I, 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 do you think? I can just quickly, do you think, like, you follow American sports a hell of a lot more than me, and the clubs have more power, probably, or the teams have more power because they're more money and stuff. Do you think that the players have too much power in the AFL? Or is it, do you think it's, like, good that, you know, they're really well looked after? It's de- it's heading towards that way, and I think people are struggling to deal with it, whereas it's probably always been like that in American sports, but... There's obviously nuances with, you know, uh, mid-contract asking for trades or, or whatever, whether you're free agent, not free agent. But I think it's just going to take a bit of time for Australians to get their head around it. And um, it seems to be the way we're heading. I mean, we already, you know, once free, free agency has been like 10 years, around 10 years almost. So that took a while to get used to. Um, the compensation thing, I think, is a bit of a, like, it's like a, halfway thing to try and keeps club keep clubs happy you know you're losing a good player but uh, you're getting a pick here so you know it's not not that bad but it's it's hard because we're in the middle you either got to be fully into it or, or not at all and when you're halfway in between it and all the rules to try and you know help keep clubs happy keep players happy it sort of is a bit of a shit show to be honest so it seems we're heading that way but it's sort of going to take some time and and in that time people are going to be upset and not agree with it so yeah, I think it's just going to continue really until we we fully buy into it. But I just don't think the Australian public can. I don't think they just ever can. Well, I think you were saying that we might end up with mid-season trading. What's wrong with that? I like I've yeah, seen I don't it see ages, but a lot of people aren't going to like it. Like, I mean, NRL. Look, I don't really 
follow it that much, care about it that much. Players know or sign where they're going the following year during the current season. Like you'd be playing with a guy you know is leaving and you already said he's leaving, knows where he's going and they don't seem to have an issue with it. Like there probably is internal issues sometimes. Bloke's going to hold a grudge. That's going to happen. But um, we've got to, I don't know, just accept it more, to be honest. And I'd love mid-season trades, you know. Clubs are able to get a position of need, make a run at finals if they want, or um, if, they, if they're crap, trade away a player who might be valued somewhere else, blah, blah, blah. I'd love to see that. But, yeah, who knows? I think it'd be fun, just like leading up to a bit of like unknown, like is this player going to leave halfway yeah. through? I think it'd be interesting. It's bad enough cut as it, it off is. halfway. No, but deadline, yeah. you can't do it late in the season, all that sort of stuff. But they will eventually. Yeah. It'll just take years. It'll just take some time. Yeah. So I think before we get into a few players that have been highlighted over trade period, and we'll go over their super coach relevance as well. Only a handful of players here. Um, I'm sure more names will pop up. But a uh, word from our sponsors at... Uh, manscaped um so gentlemen all men strive for gold in their life gold medals gold watches gold everything however there is a certain type of man who goes the extra mile he walks with the extra confidence like john on the weekend of an eagle and giggles in the face of danger he's big he's hairless a winning machine and when he unzips his pants he sees platinum that's right manscaped would like to announce their biggest and best ultimate hygiene bundle the platinum package 4.0 Sony things inside the platinum, uh, platinum package, the lawnmower 4.0, uh, the weed whacker for your ears, um, the nose trimmer, or the weed whacker ear, no, ear, ear and nose trimmer, the ultra premium body wash, the two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. How about that? Premium deodorant and a crop preserver anti-chafing bowl deodorant. Chafing summer is coming, so you definitely want to look after yourself. The crop reviver bowl uh, spray toner, the anti-chafing boxes, again, chafing, very big issue in the summer, and the shed travel bag to hold your goods while traveling. Um, Manscaped have supported us so much um, throughout the year, so a big thanks to them. Uh, their products are fantastic. I've um, been using the uh, Weed Whacker and the Lawnmower 4.0, and they've been, uh, been fantastic for me, so I do appreciate their support. Of course, they've supported all three of us, so... Thank you to Manscaped, and um, yeah, I think we'll move on. Uh, we'll speak about the a uh, few names over trade period. So the first one, uh, we did discuss this on a previous podcast, but I think Tom Mitchell, a bit more steam that you know it was kind of rumored he wants to he wanted to go to Collingwood. Now we know he wants to go to Collingwood. Um, I don't really want to pick Tom Mitchell to be honest. How do you feel about it? I think he's about five twenty k. It's not exact, not exactly cheap. Um, what do you I think? got away with it last year. I'm not going back. <laughs> yeah, it's more the game style too. They play similar to how we do at Tigerland, obviously with Craig McRae, and they just don't possess it that highly. And for Tom Mitchell to be a good scorer in this format, we know he needs to average 30 plus, really, probably more. And um, not sure what he ended up averaging this year, but down a bit. Hawks are even, you know, I don't think Sammy Mitchell wants to use him that much, but obviously knows he has to. But just don't think it's. Just don't think footy's really suited to him anymore, and he could still do work in the midfield. But um, as I said, he just needs more touches to be a good scorer. Um, and at five, what five twenty, you said if he's going to be around that, is it? Yeah, it'd have to be cheaper, like a four fifty, to be worth it. Knowing that he could, you know, he could get up 150 k. But um, as like sort of a 
pretty much keeper you're picking him for there. It's just, to me, not a pick. He was awful in the preseason this year. And actually, it came out that he had groin issues. So I guess the CBA is going to be bumped up. But again, he's like 29 going up to 30. That's sort of when we see, like, that's when, like, Penelbury, Dangerfield, um, those sort of players begin to decline. We saw, like, Lions as well. Lions was 29, premium season hit 30. And then, it's like, no, it's like out of the team. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it tends to be that age where players start to drop off. So I, I definitely want to monitor. Uh, he won't be in my opening team, though. Okay, playing the similar mold is Matt Crouch. So I was reading today that, um, who was it? Bryce Gibbs was saying, now this is just a article based on Matt Crouch. It was nothing like he wants to go here or this club's interested. But Bryce Gibbs suggested that uh, GWS should look at Matt Crouch because they are losing... Hopper and Taranto, you get a ready-made player, 27, come in. Um, I honestly think Matt, he's a really hard worker. He's probably got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, I think. I'm not, I don't think it's out of the question to pick Matt Crouch. I think he's 490K. I, I would love for that to be like 400 flat rather than 490. Um, but at the Crows, there's absolutely zero chance I go near it, I think. Um, just the threat of being dropped is too high. Yeah. Is he um, over injury issues? Is he? Is he? I think so. Looking to be over that because that's the only thing. He's still young enough. Like at twenty-seven, you wouldn't think he's at you know sort of age, but that's that's fine. That's in your prime. He had a they really lose. really rough preseason this this year, getting yeah. over groin for entire year. Like if they lose Hobber Taranto, what is it? Kelly Cogs stays in there. Tom uh, Green, even like Bruins gone. Who was getting? Yeah, yeah. so he'd be the fourth. He'd be the fourth. You know, in but the maybe rotation. they should. Perryman in there. Mm. So the role would be there. Uh, and he's cheaper. Yeah. It's come down to cheaper than like Tom Mitchell. That's I, pretty much I think, it. Yeah, I think Cogs and Kelly, I think they'll probably rotate a little bit as well. I don't think playing them full-time mid, given the injury history, like 90%, 80% CBS, I don't think that's optimal yeah. for them, to be honest. But maybe they have a plan. And also Kingsley comes from the Richmond, Richmond system. Thing. So yeah, maybe he adopts that sort of thing. So, because he is another high possession guy. Um, yeah, he had a good twenty twenty back end of yeah. twenty twenty. So it's not out of the question for him. Full preseason high CBA role. Uh, we need to see it. I think a lot of stars need to align though. The next player we have is all the talk right now is who the hell wants Jack Bowes? And the answer is everyone <laughs> because I think uh, they want to package pick seven in the deal. So they probably expect another first rounder back, but upgraded to pick seven. Uh, we owned Jack Bowes and I, to this day, still get blamed for this squad. A lot of us jumped on Jack Bowes. They've got to take some responsibility. It was a reckless, reckless trade, but... Uh, in a seagull role, which is, I guess, not that hard to do. You know, if you have a good work rate, get the get the ball, take kick-ins, uh, read the ball okay, which I think he can. Uh, he can score well. But is he a midfielder? Is he actually good in the midfield? I don't know. Down back, do they give him the seagull role? Do they give him a more of a shutdown role, which the Gold Coast have done in the past? And also, he's uh, done a few hammies and had a few injury injury issues, so... Um, 310k. I guess it depends on the club, but clubs are going to be throwing themselves at him just to get pick seven. 
Because like salary dump is like, if you have the cap space, you can definitely improve your list long-term significantly. If you can just survive the whatever one or two years that you take the cap space, uh, the cap on. Um, do you have any any general thoughts on Jack Bowes? 310K, I think will be defender mid. I, th- I think you said it. It's sort of just what is he? He's a more, former top 10 draft pick as a midfielder, right? Didn't really work out. Um, did okay as a defender, but... Yeah, what is he? Where's the new club he goes to? If he does, going to play him? All that. It's just too much, too many unknowns. But of course, the price is the best, biggest factor here as well. Again, three hundred k. That's that's cheap enough to sort of take a flyer on if the role is there. But um, again, have to see what the hell happens before we know. But um, it's more just yeah, the unknown of what he really is. Um, like, I think he can be a good enough midfielder, but it's just he hasn't really shown it at Gold Coast didn't get the role probably as much and then they found another spot for him in the twos and he actually did all right there but again it's not too hard to do well there is it so I think he had um, 40 touches one game in the in the VFL who knows where's where's Fiorini on the list George I think he's probably the one that's most intriguing isn't he if he yeah finds his way to the pies because he is a midfielder he just no spot for him at Gold Coast yes I think he was averaging about 100 odd in 2021, I want to say something like that, when he was getting about 50% CBAs, um, starting on the wing a fair bit. But yeah, I think a decent role. I mean, yeah, he's far too good for the VFL. He's a 135 fantasy average or something, which clear top in the entire VFL. So uh, where's he going? Like, do Collingwood prioritize Fiorini? Do they prioritize Tom Mitchell? I don't, Fiorini, I'm not sure. you? I don't know. It's hard. I think Mitchell's probably better. Only yeah, probably, but it's just more the age. Look at the me there. age. Yeah, really. they got a pretty twenty-five. Yeah, hmm. but I think um, yeah, he'll be almost impossible to pass up. But it sounds like Gold Coast like they have to clear cap space. So I it's think unfortunate go... for them. Like they've got to pay the bag to keep guys. Um, GWS the same. So you know what's two gone? So he's probably still taking a pay cut, really. But they've got to just pay yeah. these guys to keep them. Um. Takes such a on that much, I think, like seven hundred. It was Bo's like back ended, so that's why it's a lot, but still it's probably better I heard, paid. I think I read eight fifty today for next year. For the next two, yeah. Far Jesus. Out. So whoever gets it, yeah, they probably have to still pay some of that as well. Yeah. I was speaking to JD in the Discord, I'm like, oh, Crow should get bows and he's like Esther should get bows you know we could use him in the midfield or halfback or <laughs> or no we'll use our use our empty cap space and then we just yeah. like both realize that he's probably going to go to Geelong yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah bows would be an interesting one They're one to monitor for sure see where he goes and you're fearing as well and the uh, last one we have on the list is Jack Graham so he's done like 80s in the past but he's like he's what is he like a part-time midfielder or almost like a permanent half forward for you guys port yeah. power are interested could you see a world where he say they give him heaps of mid-time is he someone you'd consider for your forward line oh yeah he'd have to get get the mid-time he, just, he hasn't ever been able to find the ball and again probably richmond game style but um even still he just always feels like a 15 possession player to me and that's just not simply enough and he probably gets there to that 80 average with his with his tackling, um, that sort of thing. And um, I don't know, he just doesn't do enough. Like, he's just more of a defensive midfielder, really. And they've already got, what, Willem Drew does that a bit. Folks okay. Probably, yeah. like, uh, 
probably got another year. Oh, he just he just ages um, beautifully, but uh, he'd probably just play half forward again, like a Sam Pepper or something, if he went there. And I guess he's just requested trade, seeing that if we somehow get Hopper and Torino across, there's just truly no spot for him in there. Like, there just isn't. So um, you can't begrudge a guy that wants game time and wants game. Because, like, even still, he was not selected for the uh, final as well, and apparently was fully fit to go. So, you know, Jack Ross played ahead of him. <laughs> And actually played a ride mm. in that game, particularly. So, don't know. He's a bit in a weird spot. Like he was injured, I think, in the back end of the last flag. Um, he missed out on one. I can't remember if it was twenty nine. I think it was twenty nine. He's injured, but, yeah. Like yeah, he's still young, so um, still plenty of upside there, and maybe he gets a role at another club. I don't like what I've heard from you there. Um, that's. Uh... Too many red flags for my liking, but he's I guess a, he's not a ball winner. He never has been. Yeah. But again, I can't judge him at our club for that. But he just, yeah, you never, rarely ever see him over the twenty touch mark. Um, so I did read that he's, uh, I believe, he's the number one pressure player in the comp. It, it, yeah, does a lot of that. Does a lot of tackling. Um, I know Dimmer's never tagged, but you would have maybe liked to see him have those roles more often. You know, maybe you could have sent him to a lock in or something if you played him, but um, yeah, <laughs> we've never done that. So who knows? Maybe he does that at another club. Could be handy as a sort of a player, but yeah, probably not super coach relevant. Okay. I think we'll wrap it up. I think you have a FIFA stream to get to, FIFA <laughs> 23. <laughs> uh, sounds exciting. To do that. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks again for being a pleasure this year, Anna. Yep. Been a pleasure. Thanks everyone who's still watching at this time, but um Again, I know you're probably already looking keen to, to next year. Uh, I won't listen to radio that much. <laughs> I know it's part of the fun, listening to the Nuffies, but God, that does my head in at the same time. But um, I guess I'll be listening more, see how, how my club goes in particular, yours as well. I guess that's the reason everyone cares when you're not up the top like Geelong. What the hell is your club doing to get there? So, um, yeah, we're, all, we're both in that position. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Ranking, getting across, mate, getting done. Yeah, <laughs> late late first round are done. Rankin Thank Rochelle, you. not a bad little small forward crawl. And then the yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's promising. I get like you don't get too excited, although it is on paper it is exciting, but um, it's not easy to win premierships and it's a full team effort. And our defense is, uh, I would argue, our defense is the worst in the league. But yeah, is that what uh, needs addressing? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but yes, I think uh, we'll wrap it up there. Um, and yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in for the year and we'll see you guys probably later in the year for when Supercoach opens.